0: Coming up, what an excellent day for a podcast. Well, howdy, folks, and welcome to this very first episode of The Exorcist Minute, a brand new show where we are endeavoring to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist Minute by Terrifying Minute. I'm Lester Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we will be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. I myself am a writer, actor, and teacher.
1: And I'm also a writer, actor, and teacher at UNLV Film, the University of Las Vegas Film Department.
0: Yeah, and we actually met at UNLV. Just a little bit of housekeeping up front. Uh, This is a Movies by Minute podcast, but we will also be examining both the book and the screenplay to compare and contrast. I myself am actually a huge fan of the book. It's one of my favorite books. I read it every year for Halloween, and that's actually what inspired me to do this podcast. And I knew that Kenan is a big film guy, and uh, he loved this film, so uh, I reached out to him and I said, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And he said, yes. So this is that's that's the way that this happened. So I will be referring to the book a lot whenever it's a little different or when it adds uh, a little flavor to the particular minute that we're examining and Um, i am
1: trying to read the book now i am a scaredy cat as much as i love this movie so i (laughs) have promised lester that i'm going to try to read this book we'll see how far i get in
0: and i am so excited because i'm sure you all know folks like having somebody consume something for the first time is exciting for us as well because we get to kind of like relive it for the first time so i'm really excited about uh about how keenan is going to find this book
1: Right. The last book that I read was *Rolled Dolls*, *Matilda*. So that sort of gives you the level of scarediness that I'm used to.
0: Oh well, this is thematically similar. I I think I think uh, you'll find no no trouble here. Um, no, actually, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, another little note, like Keenan said, this is a scary movie and a scary book with some really, really heavy themes, uh, but this is a comedy podcast, and we're here to have fun. We're going to laugh, we're going to joke, uh, and my hope is that by doing so, we can make it a little bit more palatable for folks who are maybe... On the fence about watching it maybe they heard things about it they think it's a little too scary well now you can watch it with us and appreciate it for the brilliant piece of cinema that it is and also laugh a little
1: i like um, that we have to tell them this is funny as
0: this. yes right um so if you haven't figured it out yet um uh, they may
1: never figure it out
0: they might never uh so uh, i think the first order of business keenan is for us to talk about how we first came to know about the exorcist keenan what was your first brush with this film
1: well, I'd always heard about the film, of course, because my parents were actually amongst that first generation of of young people who were told to go see the film. Ooh. So they were brought, they were both Catholic, and they were brought by their Catholic youth minister to The Exorcist oh, in wow. high school. Yeah, so they were... <laughs>
0: It's like required viewing.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I've heard that anecdotally from other people across the country, right, that the Catholic Church was encouraging people to see this movie, even though it was a, a heavily R-rated film. And um, we'll talk about the rating as we go mm-hmm. along, too. But yeah, yeah so they had told me that story about them both having to go and both really freaking out. So it had been sold to me ahead of time as one of the scariest events in their life.
0: What age were you when you actually ended up uh, seeing it for the first time? Now, I
1: saw it when I was in high school and I was a big film kid, a real big film nerd. And I liked Mm -hmm. uh, working. I still do like working off a film list. So this was on the top of so many, you know, recommended reading lists or recommended viewing lists. And, um, you know, uh, it had been nominated for a bunch of Oscars. So that's how Mm -hmm. I had come to it in that context of not only was it the scary thing to my parents, but also this really heavily important film.
0: Interesting for me. uh, I can't remember a time when I didn't know about it, um, didn't know that it was the scariest movie ever made. That was always part and parcel with The Exorcist. Oh, yeah, The Exorcist, synonymous with the scariest movie ever made. Even before I knew what it was about, I knew that it was a movie on some other level where people were afraid to e- even talk about it. I think I have a vague memory of thinking that if you watched it, you would get arrested. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I thought that uh i also remember thinking that the exorcist was the name of the monster because it just it sounded so oh my god
1: me too now that you mentioned that yes yeah yeah, that that is like some memory you've just unlocked as the kids say a core memory has been unlocked yes Mm -hmm.
0: because i mean like just the name the exorcist that sounds like like the babadook the exorcist (laughs) like you think the exorcist and the babadook are hanging out somewhere you know having a drink or something right um and then I remember a little later, uh, for sure, still in elementary school, so not much later, walking in on my parents. It must have been Halloween. And I walked in on my parents uh, watching it in the living room. (laughs) And the scene... That I walked in on was the scene, Keenan. It was the one with the crucifix. But I, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see that part. All I saw was one shot of Linda Blair's face covered in blood. And then it was chaos in our living room. My parents jumped up from the couch and tried to usher me out of the room. Get out of here. What are you doing? What are you trying to th- We told you not to come in here. And I was ducking and dodging. And I was... I was trying to see and it was like the chaos of that scene had come out of the TV into our living room and they were fighting to get me out of there before I was scarred for life too late. And then suddenly on the TV, Linda Blair's head began that slow turn all the way around to stare at Ellen Burstyn and my parents stopped to stare at this thing. And then it said, do you know what she did? Your daughter in that in that voice. And Ellen Burstyn screamed and she fainted. And my parents kind of like shook themselves. They came back to their sentence senses and they were like, "Okay, get the hell out of here. And I was like, yeah, yeah. okay."
1: I thought Reagan was going to say, you're too young to see this movie, Lester (laughs) Clark. (laughs)
0: Um, But then, yeah, uh, I I remember much later, maybe sometime in middle school, uh, uh, going by myself to a blockbuster and getting the movie. And kind of sneaking home with it and uh, watching it uh, upstairs in my upstairs bedroom. And I had a, I had a VCR and my own TV. And I remember getting through the first few minutes where we were in Iraq and, you know, getting to the home in Washington and thinking, well, this isn't so bad. And and then the spookiness ramps up. And I clearly remember thinking, I have made a mistake, but I have to watch this all the way through. <laughs>
1: Now, are you going to include in the show notes anywhere a glossary to define for the younger viewers what a VCR is and what a blockbuster is?
0: Ah, yes. I, I have mentioned uh, some ancient relics of the past, haven't I? <laughs> um, which is so appropriate because we're going to be in an archaeological dig very, very soon. Um, VCR was uh, – well. I- I don't know. How would you how would you describe it uh, Keenan? What would be what would be the equivalent um of today? Oh gosh, uh,
1: there really isn't one I suppose because no. we used to say oh it's like an early DVD player which is an early Blu-ray player.
0: Right, but that that even that is is ancient history now. <laughs> I guess I would say so kids think of your think of your TikToks um right. and your and your Instagrams and your and your Snapchat's, right? Um think of them not in the internet, in you know, out there in the ether, but like in a box, in a in a little rectangular box about uh, the size of a lid of a shoebox. So you take that and you jam it into another box that's slightly larger, and then you can watch it. That's that's right, <laughs> Lester. Yeah, I've never had to think about that, but that's right? exactly right. And that's what a VCR is, right? <laughs> a video cassette. What is it? Video cassette recorder. Recorder, right? Yes, we didn't even we didn't even think about what it stood for. It was just good old. Family Entertainment, the VCR, um, and the Blockbuster, it was a library for boxed tiktok content that's right that's exactly what a blockbuster was
1: and now i'm making fun a little bit but actually that that is germane to how i experienced the film in high school Mm. which would have been about the time that the exorcist was getting a a a director's cut out which we'll we'll talk about as we go go forward but the version that people saw in the theaters in 1973 is not the version that was available at the blockbusters in around 2000 when i would have been watching the film and we'll Ah. talk about all that
0: so would you say it was it was
1: experiencing a a resurrection? A resurrection. Oh yes, and this this uh, director's cut was called, of course, Lester. Uh-huh. The version you have never seen.
0: The version you've never seen. I love that. that so if um, you've never seen race. the original
1: to begin with, that was yes. quite a confusing time to. Navigate. Yes.
0: Right. That's like saying, say, hey, do you want some more? And it's like, well, no, I haven't had any yet. So <laughs> how can I have some more? And. Our Our childhood was just fraught with confusing phrases like that, um <laughs> where the adults would just shake their heads and be like, "You'll understand when you're older um i I still don't understand anything, so good, good, good. um but yeah i I guess we can jump into this first minute here. uh so we start with the Warner Brothers logo, an uncharacteristic and unsettling it, it looks blue to me, or mm-hmm. would you say it's black and white and it has and a little I, bit of color, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like like kind of like this uncharacteristic, unsettling blue. Um, we then fade from that to a, uh, a red brick house in Georgetown, Washington. There's a light on uh, in the upstairs window. But even as we look, it is shut off by someone inside. And we move with the camera from the window past the trees and bushes swaying ever so slightly in the night breeze and out into the bustling Washington Street. Cars make their way silently along the wet streets and a couple walks by clutching each other against the cold as they hurry along. And then this fades into a close-up of a statue of the Madonna, the Virgin Mary, with something behind her that might be stained glass, uh, though it's a little bit too blurry to tell.
1: Right, we can tell we're inside somewhere, but we don't really know.
0: Right. Then, all at once, that disappears, and we are in total blackness. Then the words, a William Friedkin film, appear stark and red. And then they fade, only to be replaced by... William Peter Blatty's and then these words don't fade but instead we smash cut to the title The Exorcist and what I notice this time we hear faintly a deep boom as the words appear and then the last sound we hear in this minute and the first words spoken in what has been called the most terrifying movie of all time a film that has been dubbed evil satanic cursed the first words that we hear are god is the greatest in uh the islamic call to prayer the adam and i needed Keenan to point that out for me he, he <laughs> mentioned that he he, uh, he translated uh that first little bit
1: of oh gosh islamic someone prayer. can double check me but <laughs> him, I, I, Allah, Allah akbar is, is god is greatest yes yeah yeah uh,
0: i uh, as soon as you you told me that i i went and i checked it and i was like oh my god that's oh, good that is amazing i i really really love that little detail i really really like this first minute
1: Right. And again, to point out that this is not the original opening of the film. This is the version you've never seen. This is what has Correct. been the, the director's cut. So uh, we will see the original opening in our next minute. And this one opening on an everyday sort of bedroom from the outside, mm-hmm. that does sort of make a lot more sense if you're thinking about the film as a whole and where we end up. So mm-hmm. basically, we are uh, starting the film in this first shot in the exact same geographical place as we end the film, which ah, is okay. different from the original, where in the original, we're starting a world away, and then we uh, find ourselves in Washington, D.C. So this is the opposite of that.
0: Interesting. So I, I actually wanted to ask you about this. So you prefer this version?
1: Oh, I guess I was being diplomatic. I don't know, right? With the version of, with the version that you've never seen before, I, I've always a, a been of two minds. Um, I, I do prefer the original overall it, the seeing this remastered or you know recut version it sort of makes you pick and choose it sort of makes you a little mm. bit more aware of the movie making itself i suppose mm-hmm. um but i can certainly see why this this is a good idea you know at least on paper uh, I, I it makes a lot of sense to to begin and end in the same place um mm. and it, it does um it does potentially give it some symmetry
0: uh and by the way folks uh yeah we are watching uh, that specific version, the version you've never seen before, uh, the director's cut. that's that's the the other title for this, right? The director's cut and the director's cut. right. Yeah, the director's cut and then the subtitle is the version you've never seen before. <laughs> um, so yeah, unless you have seen it. but um, <laughs> but uh, uh, we're we're doing that specifically so that we can, make these comparisons right and we can talk about it's like well this particular scene this particular minute wasn't even in uh the original theatrical cut and we can mention that and we can talk about that and we can kind of talk about uh whether we prefer the original or or this new version keenan you might know a little bit more about this when they say director's cut so is does this mean that friedkin wanted this extra little bit in the cut and the studio said no at first or is it like oh the exorcist is having a revival freaking um, you know make some magic move some things around um, like you have to you have to put extra stuff in and he was like all right I'll just you know put something uh,
1: up it's a up little bit of a combination of the two of those so Friedkin, when he's making the film in 1973 as you mm-hmm. know had a lot of leeway and the producer William Peter Blatty was working with him very I closely know. but and they had some arguments that we'll get into I'm sure in further episodes oh, yes. but mm-hmm. but but for the most part, they were um they were a pretty pretty solid team. Um mm-hmm. it wasn't Friedkin sort of saying, Hey, I want this because of my vision or what have you. The novel right. and the book are supposedly very close. Um, yes. Uh, so Friedkin had a lot of power um, over the making of the film. And in the in the days, again, of DVD, when we have uh, mm-hmm. our libraries opened up um, and we're trying to sell them at the studios, then it was like, well, why, what could I do, um, you know, to make it worth our time to have a reissue in theaters and all of that? So part of it is Friedkin, um, you know, in 2000 saying that, oh, this would have been better in retrospect. Uh, but mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of evidence, at least that I have seen. And maybe we'll discover more as we go along of Friedkin saying that he had won wanted any of this stuff in the original and was forced to cut it out.
0: That seems to be a theme within a lot of the aspects of this story that it keeps on getting retold and Mm -hmm. added to. And uh, because I I, I know that William Peter Blatty um, rewrote uh, parts of his original book and even added like in in his like 40th anniversary edition, he even added like a brand new scene with a brand new character, which... Mm. We will definitely get into. Um, I, you know, myself prefer his first edition. I have a, you know, a copy of the first edition. Um, My
1: version of the book is the reissue for when the movie came out. So it says, ah, see the movie. It's the most electrifying thing that will ever happen to you.
0: The most electrifying
1: yeah not not the most electrifying movie or oh yeah you're saying like it's just a most
0: terrifying or something like that well yeah i'm just like like that's something you would say like if they did a movie adaptation of frankenstein or something (laughs) like that you know i'm like like the most i don't know like what would you say for the ex like electrifying i don't know the most catholic
1: thing that will ever happen to you
0: (laughs) the most catholic thing
1: Yeah, it's not even the most electrifying film or anything like that. Like, like it's, it's saying that this is the movie is a bigger than your wedding or the birth of your children. <laughs>
0: You'll watch it every Easter. <laughs> so anybody who has not seen the original picture on the first edition cover of The Exorcist, Google that because that is a terrifying Be uh, sure picture. your children aren't
1: around. Yes. Don't right, do it on um, the
0: bus. I think it is uh the best cover. But of
1: course, my little banner that says this is the most electrifying thing that will happen to you is covering that picture. What? It's the it's the exact uh, p- poster that you have, but uh-huh. it has a little banner that says, see the movie and it's covering the picture completely.
0: That's just so rude. <laughs> so I didn't so know what you were talking about
1: as you were describing the poster. Of the exorcist. I was like, oh, I don't know what you mean at all.
0: Oh, God. I, but no, I love it. But I have ruined the spookiness of that image for a lot of people. So if you see it now, if you're looking on Google images now, folks, you'll notice it's it's this emaciated kind of figure it, you can't tell if it's if it's a, a man or a woman it, it almost almost kind of looks like an alien or an ultrasound it's very mm-hmm. very scary because you can't exactly tell what it is but look at it this way doesn't it kind of sort of look like somebody told her a really cheesy really corny dad joke and she's giving them the side eye like really seriously like are we doing this now like I imagine the priests come in and instead of the power of exorcism, they're just like telling just really really bad jokes, and she's just getting fed up. And she's like, you know what? I I I came here to do work. I came here prepared. <laughs> but if you guys aren't taking this seriously, then I'm out. And that's and that's how they win, Keenan. That's how the priests win. <laughs> she just rolls her eyes out of there.
1: She's yeah. Like, oh so, Well, there's hope then. There <laughs> as is. long as there are dad jokes, there's hope. There is. There is. Always, always.
0: Okay, so without further ado, we, we got the name of our director, William Friedkin, and the name of our writer, William Peter Blatty, in this first minute right here. So a little bit about Friedkin. Um, he was born and raised in Chicago. He loved movies. Not the best student and a bit of a hellraiser in school. Uh, There are stories of him running around school in an executioner's mask uh, and bursting into classrooms, throwing chalk and erasers, and then running away. Kenan, I will say, hearing mm-hmm. about all the crazy, insane stuff that happened during the filming of this movie mm-hmm. that we are covering, and then researching Friedkin as a person, growing up, his uh, interactions with people, I was like, yes, this all makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> yes, he this... certainly
1: has that persona, even as a, even now as an elder statesman who is mostly retired from films. Yes. He still is that kind of a provocateur um, and a chaos agent.
0: Yes, very much so. There are also many stories of his perfectionism when it comes to filming, his obsession with getting the shot, sometimes at the risk of his cast and crew. And we will certainly talk about that as those minutes come up. Um, But uh, one big one I want to mention here, apparently in his film right before this, The French Connection, uh, which got him an Oscar, the car chase at the end, was done without a permit, without any regard to safety. Like, those are all real cars, real people, real uh, near accidents, near collisions. I swear to God, folks, go on YouTube and look up French Connection Car Chase and knowing that this is all real it's scared me more than The Exorcist.
1: Yeah, yes, it's pretty irresponsible stuff. And, and you know, Friedkin is coming out of this newer generation of film uh, filmmakers at the time mm. that is often called New Hollywood. Some people mm. call it the American New Wave, taking off from the French New Wave, which is right. where we first had this kind of a counterclastic group of filmmakers. Yeah. And this idea was that if you're young and you understand what the young people want um, you, you're allowed to sort of break rules and mm. it's the um, the rise of auteur filmmaking um, mm. which is again another French term like the idea that the director is the king and uh, we have people like John Milius who is um, the writer of Apocalypse Now saying things like uh, pain is temporary film is forever and that's that sort of like ethos that. that everyone well I don't know if you should like that. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's very it's a very nice it's a very nice phrase but um but yeah we we are in a different world now today we would say this is completely unacceptable and you know I, yes. I teach film students and now we have to say like like please don't believe these people they could have made the film without endangering people
0: yes absolutely i like the idea of working hard to get your shot and everything like that but like to an extent to a reasonable (laughs) degree
1: i think if it's if it's you having that mantra for yourself and limiting it to yourself it's one thing uh Mm -hmm. having that mantra and, and saying it to other people right i don't i don't agree with that at all
0: Right. Yes, exactly. Um, So he also uh, directed, I believe, one of the last episodes of the Alfred Hitchcock Hour. Apparently there's an altercation between him and Hitchcock. And what does Hitchcock say to him?
1: (laughs) He says, it's customary for our directors to wear ties.
0: Right. Because apparently, yeah, that was what uh, the directors of the Hitchcock Hour and Hitchcock himself, they all wore ties while while filming. And this is classic Friedkin. Um, He will he'll remember this. And later at the Oscar party, I can't remember if this is the Oscar party for The French Connection or for Mm. The Exorcist, but he he like screams across a sea of people at Hitchcock, who is also there. He's like, hey, Hitch, I finally got that tie. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, but we're going to see again and again, like you said, right, Um, this this new breed of filmmakers who maybe have not as much respect for you know the old guard the older generation
1: um definitely uh, not definitely yeah. not as respect right this is the these are the hippies the um the burnouts the dropouts who are now running hollywood
0: yeah um so yeah so that that uh sums uh freaking up up to mm-hmm. this point and then we have uh blatty william peter blatty our, our our writer uh a little bit about him he was born in new york he was raised by his <laughs> his devout catholic mother mary I wonder if that will come up again. (laughs) Um, Didn't have a lot of money growing up. Blatty himself referred to his upbringing as a comfortable destitution. Um, Oftentimes they couldn't pay their rent and they ended up moving a total of 26 times. Mm. Um, He later got a scholarship and attended Georgetown University, um, where he got his bachelor's degree in English in uh, 1950. Um, And... The thing i love about this and something that we're probably going to come back to again and again as we compare the movie to the book bladdy started his career as a comedy writer
1: Um, it's so strange to think about that
0: it, it, it like but when you when you read the book like so he did comedic novels comedic screenplays he worked with blake edwards most notably on a shot in the dark the second pink panther film and when you read the book the exorcist you can tell oh yeah This guy has an ear for comedic dialogue, comedic timing. Um, The stuff between Chris McNeil and and her housekeeper, Carl, Uh, the stuff with Detective Kinderman, the stuff with Father Karras and the demon, Keenan, the demon is. So sassy in the book. <laughs> I love it so much. I'd but... be interested
1: to look at, say, uh, you know, the relationship between Inspector Clouseau with Peter Sellers, this crazy character in yes. A Shot in the Dark, who's this famously inept detective. Some mm-hmm. people think A Shot in the Dark is even better than the first Pink Panther. and uh, I've heard that as well. Yeah. And to compare that to <laughs> Detective Kinderman or something yes. like that, who is kind of a bumbler. Uh, and in the version you've never seen, the director's cut, um, mm-hmm. it will see like the movie ends with with sort of some Kinderman shtick.
0: Or as Kinderman himself refers to it in the book, he says some schmaltz. Um, <laughs> but let's go back to the office of Blake Edwards, because it is here that our illustrious writer and director meet for the first time. Uh, Keenan, do, do you know about this story?
1: No, I know that they met during the making of A Shot in the Dark, but I don't know any specifics that uh, Friedkin was there and giving notes or something along those lines.
0: Yes. Oh, I am so excited about this. Okay, So (laughs) Blake Edwards is adapting one of his uh, TV projects into a movie, and he's inviting all these directors to come in and talk with him. Uh, And one of these directors happens to be a young documentary director named William Friedkin. <laughs> so William Friedkin gets into the office he sits down Blake Edwards is literally eating breakfast I think it's like an English muffin during the interview and he's like so what do you think of the script right and he sounds like Edward G Robinson everybody everybody <laughs> in Hollywood at that time sounded like Edward G. <laughs> G. Robinson. Like, what do you think of the script and apparently Friedkin's response was that the script quote sucked donkey balls uh,
1: <laughs> if it's a quote we can get away with saying it on the podcast right 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 oh and by the way yeah I think I think this is a
0: good time to uh point out folks We're covering the exorcist. There's going to, we're going to say, fuck, there will be mothers sucking cocks in hell. Oh my gosh. Um, But yeah, so, so maybe not for children. This, so sucked donkey
1: balls. Suck, yeah. So
0: let's, let's get back to that sucked donkey balls. At which point Blake Edwards throws him out of the office, not literally <laughs> out of the office window and down a flight of stairs. And that's how Blatty got the idea. No, um, but Blatty was there at the meeting. He was the other guy in the office. He was mm. the writer of the script and he chased Friedkin down after he was kicked out of the office. And he said, Hey, I'm Bill Blatty because that was, that was the name that he wrote under when he was doing comedy, Bill. Blatty. Oh, mm-hmm. Um, I, and By Blatty, the way, uh,
1: William Friedkin goes by Billy friedkin you know in his oh. personal life as well so there it's bill and billy but that might
0: be confusing oh there we go oh my god we got so <laughs> many bills and billies and williams and uh bladdy was at the meeting he says hey i'm bill bladdy i wrote the script uh you're right it sucked and thank you for being honest with him um mm-hmm. none of us had the guts to tell him um, oh wow yeah but yeah so it's like and he's like I, i'll remember this and then later after bladdy writes the exorcist he writes the novel he sends a copy to friedkin and says here read this and then call me and Friedkin stays up all night reading this book and then calls Blatty and Blatty is like, so what do you think? And Friedkin is like, I love it. And Bladdy's like, great. I know that you're brutally honest. I want you to direct the movie.
1: Oh, wow. That's yeah. so interesting. So if they hadn't had that sort of chance encounter, what were like almost 10 years before?
0: Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we got Blatty. We got Friedkin and we have our first minute of this film, which is not even from the theatrical cut. This is the version you've never seen before. <laughs> Um, and I'm just oh, going to keep on repeating that. Like,
1: well, it's, <laughs> it's it is one of the most like famous sort of ti- like title changes, catchphrase things. But I mm-hmm. do want to just point out, Blake Edwards, by the way, is um, the husband of uh, Julie Andrews. Just to ah. sort of put in people who are like, I, I, I love that about Hollywood history and things like. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can always find someone who's two steps away from someone who you absolutely would not suspect, such as. Um, uh, this is going way off topic now, but Lester, do you know that the uh, Charles Manson family gang, uh, mm-hmm. for a while um, before they got into living in the desert and all that, they were pickpockets, uh-huh. and they had recruited Angela Lansbury's daughter to be one of the pickpockets with them until Angela Lansbury found out and said, "Oh, get out of here," and took her away from the Manson family. What? <laughs> you know, it's that, that's what I love about Hollywood history. <laughs> what? I didn't know.
0: Oh my God, that's amazing. Yes. <laughs> so, they need to do. They need to do a movie about that. Uh, Maybe you should. Yeah, you should write I, that down. <laughs> oh my. Well, if I do it, it'll be a musical, and it'll be. Oh, good. It'll be they'll they'll be singing. You have to pick a pocket or two um, from from Oliver. <laughs> so, and anyways, Angela will be in it. So we're
1: yeah. just one step removed from Julie uh, from Julie Andrews from the Exorcist. Wow. So
0: that's you know what you know what I I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> so yeah, that is it, folks, for this minute. And so we're gonna we're gonna close out by asking what compels you so keenan are you thinking what i'm thinking i think i am lester okay so we'll say it on the count of three one two three the The power power of blockbuster blockbuster compels you. you